Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Everybody, Seth and Sean Sports Radio here on Blog Talk Radio, backsportstage.com. I should have played Taps. I thought about it for a second, and I was like, you know what? We've played it before when there are certain teams that end their season, and the Seth and Sean Sports Radio show last night, our fantasy team ended their season. And then I thought better of it because Taps is meant as a military thing. It might be come off as a little disrespectful. So, yeah, we ended our season last night. First, it was James White last week, pretty much kicking our ass. And then it was Darius Slayton. Darius? Seth? Darius yep. Slayton? Darius yep. Slayton putting us in the proverbial coffin for this year, a year which we underwent a whole lot of turmoil. Um, for our team, but it was a good run. We made the playoffs. We have only once missed the playoffs in this league. I believe that was nine years. We've been in the league nine years. First year. I don't believe we've missed. I don't believe we missed it more than the first year. So we've done pretty well. Or, or maybe we've. Ju- you and I have just had a team for nine years. I'm not exactly sure if it's been in that league or we did play in a previous league as well. We got kicked out. <laughs> we were too good. It's it's just that simple. We were too good. Or or better yet, we called the commissioner on the crap that he tried to pull. I think it was the latter rather than the former. But yeah, I, I think the too. fact is <laughs> yeah, nine years ago, Seth and I played in a league and I'm not exactly sure which league this was, but we lost by point five points because it came up on my Facebook as you saying, really? Point five? I was like, huh, which league was that? Don't really recall. This league you can talk about. It did, that you sent me a message. So I think we'll call this the year of the quarterback, and that's not a complimentary term whatsoever. I look at it like this. Our starting quarterbacks were supposed to be Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger. We started Andy Dalton and Delvin Hodges. Our starting running backs were supposed to be uh, James Conner and um, Le'Veon Bell. Hold, Hold on a second, Sean. So our starting running backs were supposed to be Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. And we wound up starting Bilal Powell. And I don't even remember who the second running back. I know we started Derrick Henry, but I think he was in the – hold on. This is really weird because I don't remember our second running back. And that's really bad. But either way, we started Bilal Powell. So we started Bilal Powell and Kareem Hunt who was suspended at the beginning of the year. So our flex stayed, stayed Derrick Henry the entire year. Our, our, we, we wound up with a new tight end, three new defensive, two new defensive players after we replaced one. We, the epilogue says that we started six quarterbacks this year, and we had eight on our team at one point. We're like Maryland – yeah, including the third string on the Detroit Lions. Um, we had the blah, third blah, blah. string on. Yeah, we had the third string on the Pittsburgh Steelers play for us. And even better, if we had won the Jeff Driscoll uh, experiment, 
then we wouldn't have had enough money for Delvin Hodges, and Driscoll went on the IR the next week. So then there's that. So at the end of the day, we did okay. Uh, We have a, a good basis for next year. I don't think we would have won the next game anyway. So I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take what we got. And I won my other two leagues. So I am uh, two and two, two in the playoffs, two out of the playoffs. And the big thing is the one of the two that's out of the playoffs, I believe I said last year, there's money in the consolation bracket. And I'm the number one seed in that bracket. So I'll take it for now. And we'll see how next week goes. Well, I am um, six leagues six leagues this year. Made the playoffs five. Went to the semis, and I'm in the semis in four. So I can't complain. Probably the favorite in favorite in one, semi favorite in two. I'd be surprised if I made the finals in the other two. So we'll see. But either way, this one was disappointing because we made one bad move, and it wasn't. I mean, we, you know, our problem is we, we, we should have stuck with the, you know, and it was my fault because I kind of pushed for it, but I don't think either of us were really that pushing that hard of, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has been very good for us over the years. Probably should have stuck with him. <laughs> we, we, we had, look, the Seven Shrugs Sports Radio Show has their favorite players. We always have. We have man crushes on certain players. Greg Olson. We we have we have tremendous amount of love for Greg Olson. We always have. We actually have great love for Jason Witten too, which is surprising considering they're both tight ends. We have great love for any Pittsburgh Steeler middle linebacker. His name could be Ryan Jazier, James Farrier, Devin Bush, any of them. We have great love for. Jack Lambert. And then we have great What's that? Jack Lambert. Yeah, Jack Lambert. Jack Ham as well. Andy we Russell. Have always had, we have always had love for Emmanuel Sanders. And the funny thing is, last year, we picked Demarius Thomas. We had a choice. It was either Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders. And we picked the wrong one. <laughs> and this year, we rectified that by picking Emmanuel Sanders. And you know what, Seth, it's it, – I get it. We should have played him probably in retrospect, definitely in retrospect, excuse me. But when you look at it, our opponent sat Drew Brees. So he sat 51 points of Drew Brees against our 37 of Emmanuel Sanders. So if we had played a guy who would not have signed or started Kyle, it's not Bush, whatever his name is in Charlotte. Kyle Allen. By the way, if you Kyle can explain Allen. how someone does not start Drew Brees in a two QB league, I I I love, I love to understand it. Not only that, but he didn't start start Kyler Murray either. He had both of them on the bench, and look, Kyler Murray only had eight points. But wow! But at the end of the day, we did not do very well. We lost the game which is okay, and we'll come back next year, and we'll do much better. Um, hopefully. Hopefully we will do better. But at the end of the day, we did well. We, 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 we made the playoffs. I'm good with this. There were a couple of other rankings, so to speak, this week. In college football, we have our final four. No real surprises. Oklahoma sneaks in as the four seed after they beat Baylor and after uh, Oregon put a whipping on Utah. I got to tell you, I liked Utah, and I really liked the way that they played. However, Oregon was just too athletic for them, and they just didn't look like they had it towards the end. And, yes, I watched a Friday night college football game. Well, when you go out through the prior night, it's a good way. It's a good relaxing day. Yeah, I, I think we were all hoping for Utah because Utah it would have been really interesting to see how the, how the how they would. I think Utah would have been the four team because Oklahoma beating Baylor on their third string quarterback 
not overly impressive in overtime. Um, but with Utah losing, with Georgia getting smoked, pretty much it became – I mean, Georgia would end up being smoked. They played later after the, uh, the Big 12 championship. It ended up being the Baylor game was a play-in game for all intents and purposes. Now Oklahoma has the has it should be a fun Final Four though. Those those top three teams are really really good, better than in most years. So it should it should be a blast. And what's surprising is Ohio State and Clemson. It seemed like in the first half of both of those games. And I watched a lot. I probably watched more college football this week than I have the whole season uh, in, in one weekend. And so I'm watching Wisconsin and Ohio state and it's halftime. And I just say, you know what? I'm going to bed because the game didn't matter. Wisconsin wasn't making it. And Ohio state was no matter what. And then I turn on Clemson and Virginia and I see it's like 14 to seven at halftime, and I'm saying, okay, well, Virginia's actually playing with Clemson. This is rather interesting. But the second half was a totally different story in both of those games. And it seemed like they just woke up and said, wait a second, we're playing for seeding here. We have to win this game. We want to play, we want to play Oklahoma. We don't want to play Ohio State. We don't want to play. We don't want to play LSU. And at the end of the day, they're both playing each other. And there you go. And so, a month from now, we will have. There are a lot of bad bowl games. <laughs> Those two. I I cannot. Although Oklahoma's defense has been better, I can't see how Oklahoma is going to going to slow down LSU. I don't. I just don't see it. Um. But. At least the, 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 it's not a blowout to the proportions that we've seen in the past where there was a Washington or a Michigan State where, where the team had no chance. Jalen Hurts is a Heisman finalist. CeCe Lamb is a damn good wide out for Oklahoma. They've been in the, the BCS. They've been in the playoffs, excuse me, before. It's not a team that's going to be intimidated to be there. So I think it, I think it makes – I think it's, it's the right four teams, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's the right four teams. I don't believe Oklahoma's really that much of an underdog. I know they're getting like 20 points against LSU. But do you really see the difference between one and four being that great? Yeah. Oklahoma could have lost to Baylor twice, could have lost about four or five games this year. And one LSU did not have a close game, I don't believe, except for Alabama. And they beat them. They were up 10 with a minute to go. Or I think they beat – so I I think they're a step below the rest of these teams. Okay. Um, I have to say – Ed Ogeron, the coach of LSU, the guy that I remember most from the movie The Blind Side, uh, <laughs> more than anything else. I, I, yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, there's the guy. There's the guy that was in The Blind Side, along with most of the other SEC coaches, since it did, it did revolve around Ole Miss and, and Tennessee. And I think Ogeron was the coach of Ole Miss at the time, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, or he, I'm he kind made of like, a defensive coordinator at USC, one of the two. Either way, I'm impressed he's to do that. Come, he's come a long way. I mean, he, he was supposed to get the job at USC, right? I mean, he did a great job. He, he's, always, he's always been known as, as a, one of the top recruiters in the country, just as, as a side. He gets the job at Ole Miss. He fails at Ole Miss. He goes to USC. He, he's the defensive coordinator, I believe, under Lane Kiffin, if my mind is going correctly, under Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin gets fired. He gets the interim job. I believe he wins like four in a row, including the bowl game. All the players want him back. And USC says, nah, not, n- n- not a USC coach, not my guy. So he goes 
I don't remember where he went from there. He didn't go straight to LSU. He couldn't have gone from defensive coordinator at USC fired to go to LSU, right? I mean, it was a middle stop. He was a defensive coordinator at LSU, I believe. Oh, he went to defensive coordinator first. Okay, and then became the coach when Miles left. Okay. So he's had a rocky, rocky road all the way around and has proven his chops. And this will be the first time, I believe, he goes for a national championship, the first time he's in the playoff, correct? Yeah, this is the first time they've – because this is the first time LSU has had an offense. Not only do they have an offense, they have a hell of an offense led by the – Well, they also have – yeah, they have the Heisman Trophy. I mean, the presumptive Heisman Trophy. They're in the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bungles, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. If they take him, if they're going to take him. If they're they're going to take him. Dude, he's from okay, Ohio. So, talk, so let so is so is Chase Young. Chase Young's from Maryland. Oh, is he? he went, oh, he went to Ohio State. Right. Okay. Let's talk about another guy that has gone all the way around the all the way around the continent, all the way around the country, and winds up. One hour after his bowl game, back in the SEC, Lane Kiffin. Now, I always confused, and I don't know whether it's the visor or it's something else, or maybe they look alike, Lane Kiffin with John Gruden. I, I just think, when I think of one, I think of the other. Offensive genius, scum of the earth, or what seems to be scum of the earth, cannot rely on anything that either one of them says and can coach the hell out of a football team. Am I missing something? No, I mean, it's, look, it takes a lot of talent to be five, to be at, what, five different places in, like, seven years? When you make Al Davis look like the good guy, that takes a lot. You get when you get fired at, on an airplane, as you as you as you as you get off a tarmac, that takes a lot. You know, you when you are burned in effigy, maybe that's just what Tennessee does. Maybe maybe Kiffin is why they're so bitter. They were so bitter about Greg Schiano, because man, Lane Kiffin brings it out in everybody, and now he's in a mid-tier. He's in a mid-tier, at best, at DC school. It's you know we'll we'll see how we'll see how it plays out. I'm not overly. I I have a feeling it's a two years and on to the next one for uh, Mr. for Mr. Kiffin. I know that's shocking. Is it? Is it two winning years? It's probably a seven and five year and an eight and four year and an eight and four year. They beat one of the big time teams, whoever it may be, whether it's an LSU or an Auburn or a or a um, Alabama, and that gives him enough leeway to make the jump to wherever the next stop is. I find it interesting that you say that because, all right, so Lane Kiffin is pretty much the opposite of Ed Odron, right? He went yes. from the top and went down to the bottom. Odron at least went step by step all the way up. Kiffin's only like 35 years old. I mean, Kiffin is young for a coach. Yeah, he's and not that he young. Believed it. He's not that. Not 35. He's in his 40s. He's our age. Think about it. Okay. He was. A, he coached the Raiders when he was in his early 30s. That was what seven, eight, ten years ago. You are correct. Lane Kiffin is one year older than us. He's 44, and he was born one year. No, sorry, 360, no, 358 days after, uh, before me. So, but you're more. <laughs> my, my math is a little much. I was about to say a year and something, but eh. Anyway. Yeah, he's 44. So he's got a long term ahead of him. 
Is he – well, here's the interesting question. Is he the heir apparent to Nick Saban? No. No. Wow, you said that pretty quick. Bama fired him two years ago. Well, Bama think, fired him because I, he took another job. No, no, no. They fired yeah. him because he was yes, because he was going to take another job, but that's not a problem. Mike's Mike Loxley left Maryland, left them to go to Maryland. He wasn't fired, but Kiffin was such a distraction that they fired him before. That's one of the reasons. One of the reasons given for why. Uh, Alabama had so much trouble in the national title game a couple years ago. Okay, I thought it was he left for FAU or was going to leave for FAU, and they just fired him anyway just because he was going to leave and was creating too much of a distraction for that reason. Well, that's what they okay. Distraction. That's why. All right, I have to jump off. I'll be back on in five minutes in the car. All right. Sorry, man. That's what happens. So at we have the understood. So that's why we have the uh, the five o'clock window without that. But anyway, so um, yeah. So we have our college football going on, and and we got a three week break. And I'm not sure the three week break is actually the best thing. I don't like it. I understand it for TV purposes that this weekend we have the Heisman Trophy, which is fait accompli. It's going to Joe Burrow, as Seth said, the presumptive, not only presumptive Heisman Trophy, but the presumptive new quarterback for the Cincinnati Bungles. And then we have two weeks of absolutely mediocre bowl games. I'm not saying they're mediocre teams. They're all good teams. Well, most of them are good teams. But... Do we really want to see that type? Do we want to see that many games throughout the next two weeks? And I think one of the reasons you want to, I mean, look, I'm a Syracuse fan. I would love for Syracuse to be in a bowl game. It's an alumni event. I don't even think it's a football event for the current students. I think these bowl games are an alumni event. And as an alumnus, I would love to see them play. Unfortunately, they suck. And they didn't go this year. Okay, so let's move on to something else. So we, we'll talk NFL when Seth comes on. We'll talk Major League Baseball when Seth comes on because there is a lot going on on the hot stove league. And Seth and I talk about this all the time whenever free agency or the offseason starts for, for basketball, baseball, football, hockey, is that is it possible, or let me ask you, listeners, 760-283-0846. Is this your favorite time of year for sports as far as baseball is concerned? Are you, are you more of a fan of the hot stove league than you are even of the sport? Are you more of a fan July 1st for the NHL and NBA start of free agency than you are during the regular season? Are you more of a fan of the NFL free agency, which occurs in March, and the draft, which occurs in April or early May, than you are this week watching your team? Call me up and let me know. 760-283-0846. 760-283-0846. Because I believe that the majority of the fans are more entranced in a very small window with this week in baseball than they are for the entire season. I know Seth is. When Steve Strasburg signed that contract, he, after it was reported, Seth texted me no more than 10 minutes after it was announced. I don't know the last time that Seth texted me during a baseball game. I really maybe it was when he was at Yankee Stadium or I was at, at SunTrust or, or at City Field. But it certainly wasn't it certainly was not during 
a holy cow, look at that moment. Just wasn't. So the hot stove league takes effect in San Diego this week. And there were a couple of trades. There are a bunch of free agents that are still out there. And I would like Seth's prediction once he gets back on with who's going where. We know that Steve Strasburg went back to the Nationals, the world champion Nationals. Now, Steve Strasburg had an opt-out. He took that opt-out. And he got bank to the tune of he had four years and $100 million left on his contract if he had not opted out. But he decided to opt out. And in exchange, he got not only those four years and $100 million, but he got an additional three years and $145 million to the tune of seven years and $245 million, crushing Zach Greinke's numbers, crushing David Price's numbers. David Price, approximately $210 million over seven years for his contract. And Zach Greinke had, I believe, $33 million per year, and Strasburg crushed it out of the park. So here we are, Steve Strasburg back with the Nationals. And what are the Yankees? What are the Angels? What are the Dodgers going to do without plan B or even plan C, as Zach Wheeler went last week, for $118 million to the Philadelphia Fanatics? Seth, the Philadelphia Wheeler, what? Wheeler, I know what I call them. Where is Garrett Cole going to land, and what type of deal is he going to get? I think he's going to the Yankees. I think he's going to get eight for about 285. So eight for 285 is right on a par with Strasburg. I think it doesn't even – hold on. My math is a little off. No, so, so hold on. So 7 so – 245 divided by 7 is 35 million. <laughs> and you said 285. Two, 285 over. Right? 285 it'll be slightly, yeah, it'll about, be about 30. It'll be slightly over 35 million a year. So slightly over 35. So you get – so don't – so you believe he's going to the Bronx. Now, for those that don't recall or don't have any memory of this whatsoever, Garrett Cole was originally a first-round pick of the Yankees at UCLA, and he turned them down. He said, nope, I'm going to college. And he went to college for a couple of years, I think the three years, whatever he needed to be, and then became the first pick of the – oh, by the way, that first-round pick was like 28 or 29, and he bet on himself. Went to college, came out as the first pick overall to the Pittsburgh Pirates, later gets traded to the Houston Astros, and here we are on Team Scott Boris until he joins a new team. I think you're light, Seth. You think I think it's over 300? I, I, think, I think he's the $300 million man. $300 million divided by eight years is $37.5 million. Blowing away. Strasburg. I mean, in a different zip code as Strasburg. And coming really, really close to Mike Trout. But I don't think he's playing for the Yankees. You think he's going to Cali? I do. I think this is all garbage. I think this is all just negotiation, ploy, one-on-one, using... Look, my team, the New York Islanders, was this was, in my opinion, the Yankees right now. I'm going to build you up with, with this with Amari uh, Panarin this, this summer. I'm going to see how much I can get for you, and then I'm going to go over to that other team that I really want to play for that happens to play in Madison Square Garden, or in this case, that plays in my hometown, and I'm going to see if they can match it. 
and then add another ten million on top. And I think the reason you know, the reason I think it's New York is Peter Gammons tweeted he was going to New York. That's a that's not that, that's a more that's pretty reputable. And that came oh, out I today. Did it really? I don't. I I yeah. did not see that. I'm going to go look at that. I'm going to go look that up. I did not see that. If that is the case, look, Peter Gammons is is the holy grail, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, I saw it. I saw it on my Peter Gammons. Peter Gammons quote. Hold on, I got it right here. Now that we know that Coles will move to New York, the Yankees have a lane to get to a $300 million deal unless the Angels or Dodgers go wild. The Dodgers haven't talked to Boris on call as of Sunday morning. Two GMs in on Rendon thinks thinks that that will be a slow process. So I don't believe he's saying that he's definitely There may be another. There may be another. No, I'm scrolling down his. I'm scrolling down his Twitter feed, like his whole Twitter feed. So I don't see – it says here John Heyman said, here the Yankees' total focus is on Garrett Cole. And Peter Gammon says, John is right, they weren't. Dodgers, Angels will learn soon that the Yankees will not be denied. I don't believe – I'm telling you now, I don't believe okay. that's probably that he will, well, he will sign – hold on. Hold on. I'm not sure he'll take the highest money. That could be true. If he wants to look, and he's that, in that position that if he wants to go to California, he can go, he can go anywhere he wants. That's right. He's going to get basically the same amount of money. Absolutely. So I think he winds up with the Angels. I think the Angels are the first team with three $100 million players. Granted, two of them or out of every five days, he'll probably be on the bench. Is Otani a uh, $30 million player? Is Otani a $100 million? No, no, no. No, you got Pujols. Oh, forgot he was still there. That's why I said four out of every five days. That's why I said four out of every five days, two of them will be on the bench. Oh come on! You don't you don't even find that remotely funny that a hundred million dollar player is going to be on the bench every day? I find him more sad than anything else, but that's neither here nor there. It really is sad. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other free agents. Where do you believe Anthony Rendon is going to wind up? Look, we're ladies and gentlemen, we're doing this now because these guys can go off the books any minute. And I don't think Rendon is going to. I think it will take him a while to to pick up a deal. But we need to make these decisions now. So I think he's going. Who do you think? My guess is Texas. Similar to Cole, I think he wants. He's not going back to Washington. So my gut is his loyalty is going to be where he grew up. Is going to be. I can go to my hometown and make my run there. So I think he's going to go to Texas. Okay. Uh, I agree. I think he will go to Texas. Um, Okay. Let's go in and he'll get close to $210 million to do it. Okay. Where do you think Josh Donaldson's going to go? I think that's a just. I think it's a tough call. Um, I didn't Atlanta just sign the third baseman, so I guess he's not coming back. If I no, remember, they didn't sign a third base. They didn't sign a third baseman. They're, they didn't. He's still available. No. Then nope. that may be the most logical place. You know, he can he can play with Acuna. Still have a chance to win a title. Good, good, you know, good team, good division. I don't really, I don't know. 
I agree with you. I think that he also goes back to Atlanta three years in 75. And here's the big one, okay? Here's the unknown of unknowns when it comes to free agents. Where is Madison Baumgartner going to play next year? I'm almost laughing as I say this. I wonder if Cole goes to California, I wonder if he goes to the Yankees. Oh, you he doesn't strike it. me. He definitely goes to the Yankees. He doesn't he strike me as a Yankee. He doesn't strike me as a guy who really wants to be in New York. But it is the most logical fit. And they need an, you know, they need the problem is if you're not getting called, you're not getting Strasburg. Baumgartner, how many years do you give Baumgartner? You can't give him six years. You know, he's not that no. old. He feels like he's been pitching forever. I, I don't think you can give him more than four. So Madison Baumgartner is 29 years old. Good God. He feels like he's been pitching since he was 16. Yeah, he, sorry. He just turned 30, so he's 30 years old. He has – Yeah. Yeah, 30 years old. So, I think you give him four and a hundred. Yeah, that's about that's about and, right. And you call and you call it a day. And I think he either winds up with the Yankees or he winds up with the Twins. And I would love to see him with the Twins. You would I think love him like on the, the Twins. Perfect. I love him. I love him on the Twins. I mean, everybody loves the Twins. Ever since Little Big League, everybody loves the Twins. And he's like the perfect pitcher to guys like the Jose Barreos of the world and yeah. make, a ru- make a run in the AL Central. I mean, I love him on that team. Do they give him four years and $100 million? Well, the Twins have only given out one $100 million contract in their history, and it did not turn out very well. Is that Joe Maurer? That was $142 million to Joe Maurer. And Joe Maurer, for the first three years, definitely warranted that. It was seven years, I believe, and 142, like, or something along those lines. And he, the first, I don't know, the first, like, or maybe it was five years, 140, I don't even remember. It was a lot. <laughs> it was definitely the only 100. And the first three years, he played catcher and was worth every penny and then got hurt and, as a first baseman, not really worth the money. So no. are they hesitant? Sure. Do they have the, the richest owner in baseball for now? Yes, in Colin Poland. So he's, the richest, o- he's the richest owner in baseball? He is. Did not know that. I knew he was. I knew he was pretty high up. I didn't know he was that. Did not know he was the richest. I believe. Well, he will not be after. Dun da da da. The Wilpon sell. <laughs> you it didn't believe me when I said segue. that to you. Perfect segue to the Wilpon selling. Steve Cohen, who is worth seven point two billion dollars, with a B, ladies and gentlemen reportedly is in talks to buy the Mets. And the truth <laughs> shall set you free. Like it is it is mana from the sky. Now if only that that would then circulate over to his neighbor on the west side of Manhattan to sell his team, that would be great. But we'll get to that in a second. Now, you were under the impression that even though the Wilpons are supposedly in charge for five years, it is ceremonial at best. It is. There is no way that a guy like Stephen Cohen is going to pay nine, uh, going to pay ten figures to own a team so the prior owner can maintain control. They will. There is not a chance in my mind that if this goes through, 
that Will Pons will have any say will have any say going forward from day one. Oh, from day one. And I am not a Mets fan. I like to see them do well because I don't. It's not. It's not a hatred like the Eagles or the or the Redskins. No, not the Redskins. I feel sorry for the Redskins. Like the Eagles or North Carolina or whoever you know your my teams are. I don't hate the Mets. I root for them, but I'm not a big fan. But I don't think Cohen buys the team unless he has absolute control over everything. I just think that's his personality if you've ever seen anything on him. It's not like you have a beloved owner who's run a team for th- who, where the, other, where the new guy is going gonna, is gonna to gradually take over and learn from the old. Pretty much Wilpon has been a running – the only reason Wilpon has not been a true running joke in the New York tabloids is because of the guy who runs, 30, who runs the, the team on 34th and 7th. That's the only reason. So, I think you you he may be there ceremonial ceremony for he may he may be there in theory, but he will not he will he will be irre, rendered irrelevant the second this deal is done if it gets done. My friend, from your words to God's ears, because I would very much like the Mets not to be run like the Minnesota Twins. Well, actually, I would. But just not with their payroll. (laughs) And the only reason, it's funny because I know we've spoken about this on the show. Except Terry Ryan Ryan is not walking through that door. Yeah. The (laughs) only reason that Seth doesn't hate the Mets the way that Mets fans hate the Yankees is because the Yankees are the big brother in this scenario. And the Mets are like, oh, we'll give them them the, the leftovers from the meal. It's like we're Cinderella, and they're the princess up on the on the tower, the evil stepsisters, or evil empire, if you will. But uh, same difference. It, you you generally will not find Yankee fans that totally look down on on the Mets, but you will never see a Mets fan root for the Yankees ever. Uh, ever. Maybe if, maybe if they played maybe if they played the Bra- maybe if they played the Braves or the Phillies in the World Series. No, I don't even think then, really. I have more hatred for the Yankees than I do either one of those teams. When the That's Yankees played the Braves in, when the Yankees played the Braves in 1996, I rooted against the Yankees. 100%. 100% rooted against them. Were you do, were you were I you hated, running around the dorms at Were you running around the dorms at Syracuse doing the tomahawk chop? No, I will never do the tomahawk chop. I, I find that actually offensive. So I will never do it. But when Jim Lehrer hit that home run, I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was doing. And I remember all the Yankee fans running around the house and me almost in tears. So, yes, I, 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 much the same way as I hate the Patriots, my, my disdain is not for the Giants. It's for the Patriots. My disdain is for the Yankees, 100%. One, uh, no. Like, I was rooting for the Nationals. No. I was rooting for the Astros. I was rooting for anybody but the Yankees. So, now, wait a minute. Yeah. Now, let's, wait a minute, wait a yeah. minute, wait a minute. That, confuse, that confuses me a little bit. Now, the Giants are the big brother. Now, it, I know it's confusing. So I get it. Because the Jets are never fighting with the Giants, ever. When are the Mets fighting with the Yankees? Every, okay, I was about to use a curse word. Every day for the back page, every day the Mets are being compared to the Yankees. The Giants and Jets are not compared to each other. Maybe it's, maybe it's, a, it's a New York media thing. But they're Seth. They're not compared. You don't, and maybe it's because they were both they were good at different times that they were never compared. But growing up in the '80s, it was always who's better, Mattingly or Hernandez, right? It wasn't better who was better, Phil Sims or Kenny O'Brien. 
That wasn't that wasn't a thing. It was Mattingly or Hernandez. It was Steinbrenner or Doubleday. It was who's going to spend more money, and maybe that has something to do with the fact that baseball doesn't have a salary cap. It was Tartable and Bobby Bonilla. It was Jose Rio <laughs> and Dwight Gooden. No, I'm just saying, like, these are all comparatives that happened when we were kids. A hundred percent, Danny Tartable was signed because the Mets signed Bobby Bonilla. You will never convince me otherwise. Jose Rio was told he was being brought up from single A. Jose Rio had no reason to be brought up from single A. From single A, because just the year before, Dwight Gooden got brought up by the Mets from the Carolina League in single A, and Dr. K became a thing. So Jose Rio was the Yankees' answer to Dr. K. And then a year later, he was traded for Ricky Henderson. (laughs) Along with Luis Polonia. Wait, can I get all the guys? It was Luis Polonia, Jose Rio. Oh, there was a third baseman. I'll have to get the the name. It wasn't Aurelio Rodriguez, was it? No, but Luis Polonia later came back to the Yankees. Luis Polonia was on every team in the major leagues. He was the, he was the hitting version no, of Mike was, Morgan. No, that was Jose Okendo. But they, they both were. Um, okay, so so that's the reason why I don't like and and I get that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the fact is, the Yankees and Mets were always competing, and the Giants and Jets just never were. And maybe that has something to do with the NFL as opposed to Major League Baseball. But that is the case. Hold on, I'm going to get the. So, oh, it was Eric Plunk and Greg Cadillac. Wait, Jose Rio wasn't in the trade. Where was Jose Rio? You just brought up a random Jose. You just brought up a random Greg Cadillac trade? Yeah, well, Jose Rio was definitely traded to Oakland. Oh, you know why? Ricky Henderson was traded twice. There you go. Hold on. Yes, he was. It was Tim Baristas, Jay Howell, Stan Javier. Guess who else was in that trade? Eric Plunk. Eric Plunk was in two Ricky Henderson trades from the Yankees. That may be the most famous thing about Eric Plunk. That and his last name okay, is Plunk. But that's, a, but that's a good segue to our next topic. So, Jose Rio was traded by the Oakland Athletics to the Cincinnati Reds for one Dave Parker. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I did not plan this out. This all just came to pass. Dave Parker was one of those guys that was not elected to the Hall of Fame this week by the Veterans Committee. The two guys that were elected were Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller. And, Seth, you know every once in a while I have a cause. Right? I have my Tim Raines cause, right? Totally have a Tim Raines cause. I totally was against Jack Morris. And I've forever been in favor of Ted Simmons, who I think, much like the shortstops that are now going on, where you have like Francisco Lindor, you have Corey Seeger, you have all these great shortstops in the in the big leagues right now. Corey Seeger isn't in the top three or four shortstops, but Corey Seager historically would probably be one of his season before he had a surgery would probably be in the top 25 seasons of all time for a shortstop. And the only reason that Ted Simmons is not in the Hall of Fame or was not in the Hall of Fame until two days ago is the fact that he played at a time with Johnny Bench, Carlton Fisk, and Gary Carter which you can call the heyday of catchers. Simmons has more hits than any other catcher but one. He has more home runs than any other catcher but two. He has belonged in the Hall of Fame for years. The unfortunate part was he played his first half of his career with St. Louis, the second half of his career with Minnesota, and then he was a catcher when... I thought he played with Milwaukee. If you were me... Oh, I meant Milwaukee, not Minnesota. Excuse me. Milwaukee. They're they're all small teams in the Midwest. 
if he doesn't, if, it, it's kind of like Nomar in the big, or Mike Miguel Tejada in the big three, right? Or you didn't know Tejada until he won an MVP, but he still wasn't one of the top three shortstops of that generation. And Ted Simmons, unfortunately, fell into the same category. Now, I'd like to know your thinking on Marvin Miller. So Marvin Miller, before he died, said, I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame. That's a Harry Carson argument, if I ever heard one. And, of course, Harry Carson soon got elected to the Hall of Fame. Not really sure Harry Carson meant that he didn't want to be elected, or he pretty much was saying, hey, guys, look at me. To me, Marvin Miller didn't want to be elected. Yeah, he didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Yeah. So here we are with him in the Hall of Fame. And, look, Marvin Miller is one of the top three most influential people in the last 50 years in in baseball, if not the history of baseball. Without him, there's no no free agency. There's no no salary arbitration. There's no nothing. Baseball is under a reserve clause, which means one player is tied to a team forever which means Garrett Cole is not getting $300 million. He's barely getting $300 a week. So Marvin Miller deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just not sure this is the right way to do it. Well, the problem is this. I agree with you. There's no question he should. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm pretty indifferent about Ted Simmons, to be perfectly honest. I you know me, I'm a best of a generation kind of guy for Hall. And I don't have much of an opinion on it. I just don't. Um, I have a question for you on that, though. Best of a generation. So Simmons is fourth. Uh, take player X. Player X is fourth in the 1970s behind the top three ever. And you take the catcher from the 1940s, who was the best of the 1940s, but is nowhere close to Simmons. Does that make that guy in the 40s a Hall of Famer, but Simmons not? Yes. Or player X? You can only, yes. You can only compare to your era because the reality is all these athletes are better now than they were 60 years ago. Based on that, nobody would be in the Hall. Nobody would ever be in the Hall of Fame because athletes continuously get better. You can only no, compare to your era. No, that's not what I'm saying, though. That's not what I'm saying, though. So that's not necessarily true either. They're not – you are compared to your contemporaries. I get that. But if you, got a, if you got, say, in the 1970s, the best shortstop was Mark Belanger, who hit 240 and – Yeah, uh, he was, not a, great, he was, was not a Hall of Famer. I get it. Right, but he was the best one. Let's say he was the best one. Now you have Derek Jeter behind uh, – let's say Robin Young. Robin Young's not the best – shortstop of the 1980s, that falls to either Ozzie Smith or Cal Ripken. Does Robin Young get less because he was third, but he came along at the same time as Ozzie and Cal Ripken? No. Well, first of all, I'm not sure that he was really behind either of those. But, um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And I realize that maybe I may be contradicting myself with by saying that. But when I I guess when I think of the greats of the seven the greats of the eighties, I'm not saying Robin Young is there. When I think of the greats of the seventies, Ted Simmons is not. Okay. And I'm more I'm more knowledgeable than the average cat. And that's true. You know, I don't see it as he sees. He strikes me as a Hall of very good. Now the problem is the Harold Baines argument has now just opened up a whole new, you know, a whole new level of. I'm being, yeah, I'm being very careful not to put Harold Baines in any argument. I think he's a one-off. I don't think it's right. He's not comparative. Let's just assume it's a. The way I look at it is it was a mistake, <laughs> and we move on. Um, we got five more minutes left, and, and, and I'm going to use the five minutes a different way this time because the one thing we didn't talk about was our neighbors over to your, your west and my north, your east and my north, 
on 34th and 7th who fired their coach last week in David Fitzdale. Who's replacing him, and is it even possible to do well in that, in that job? No. That team has no talent and no direction. And I think you were more optimistic. Now, again, I'm not a Knicks fan, so I kind of bask in the enjoyability of watching this. But holy crap. You signed six mediocre free agents. I realize this is a stall game until 2021 when Giannis comes on the uh, market. But the problem is the Milwaukee Bucks are 21 and 3. The New York Knicks are what, 3 and 21? Probably in that ballpark. You can get your marketing dollars anywhere. That team is so appalling. Look, they are in a, they are in no worse position than the Nets were 5 years ago. And look what the Nets did. And we've talked about it countless times. And now, of course, the irony is they play better without Kyrie than they do with him, but that's neither here nor there for our discussion purposes. You have, no, you, have, you have a horrible owner. You have a GM who is completely out of his league. You've had coaches there who have had relative success who have had no chance of this ever working. And the fallback is, oh, if we go back to the coaches of the, of the yesteryear, Mark Jackson, born to be a New Yorker, Van Gundy, top New Yorker. This team has no talent. It doesn't matter. This team cannot win the way it is set up. It will not win for the next few years the way it is set up. You are the worst franchise in the NBA. Congratulations. Best of luck. I go one further. They're the worst franchise. They're the worst run franchise in sports. They are now. They have they, now. They have now succeeded the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins or whatever you want to call. Them. That wouldn't that be my number that? two. Are they worse than the Redskins? Wow. Okay, I didn't put the Redskins in there. Um. Maybe that's the argument because not only the difference with the Marlins, the Marlins never had a fan base to begin with. The Redskins are one of the most devoted fan bases in the league. And you can get tickets for a dollar at this point. That's what Dan Snyder has done to that team. You have a puppet as a GM. You brought in random coaches who they who can't do anything. They're universally hated in your town where they're begging you to sell. That's the Washington Redskins. Okay. So let, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to cut you off, but we've got about a minute and a half to go. So what I'm going to do go, is go. You, have just given up, you have just given us our topic for next week. You've just given us our topic for next week. We'll have the worst three franchises in each sport and where we go with that. The week after that, it's <laughs> Christmas week, and we will have – our wishes, our, our, what Santa hopes for sports in general. And then the week after, we're not having a, a year in review. We're not having a decade in review. I think we're just going to answer some questions, such as who is the MVP of the last decade? Who is the team of the last decade? We don't have to go through review by review. We'll just do that. After the new year, we're going to have our predictions for the next decade where we see sports, where we see rule changes, where we see teams, and the new teams of the next de- of the twenty what twenties, I guess you call them the twenty twenty squares. Yeah, but we'll yep. we'll get to that, and we'll have obviously our previews of the college final four in two weeks as well. So, stay tuned oh, we also have to do our bowl. We have to do our bowl preview soon because you can oh, never forget talking us. about the wool and. Pe- the pool and weed eater, pool and weed eater, uh, <laughs> independence bowl. We'll do so. Okay, we'll do our bottom three and our bowl. We'll do our bowl predictions next week too. 
For Seth Kane, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, and we'll check you out next week with hopefully some new and exciting stuff. All right, have a good week, everybody. Woohoo!